0: When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com.
1: What is sincere repentance in the context of Mormonism? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at a conference message titled, Am I Good Enough? Will I Make It? It was a talk given by Elder J. Devin Cornish of the Seventy. And as we've been mentioning in the past few broadcasts, we're a little concerned by some of the promises that he's dishing out to his listeners. Especially when he raises the question, am I good enough and will I make it? Yes, you are going to be good enough, and yes, you are going to make it. But then there's this qualifier, as long as you keep repenting and do not rationalize or rebel. Now on the bottom of page 33, in the third column, where this is found in the Unsigned Magazine for November 2016, which is a conference edition, he says all we have to do to receive this heavenly help, and this heavenly help he's describing here is the Mormon definition of grace, which in the context of Mormonism is an enabling power. Enabling the Mormon to do what? To truly repent and keep the commandments. That's what this enabling power is supposed to give the Latter-day Saints. So when he says all we have to do to receive this heavenly help is to ask for it and then to act on the righteous promptings we receive.
2: He says, The great news is that if we have sincerely repented, our former sins will not keep us from being exalted. Moroni tells us of the transgressors in his day, quote, But as oft as they repented and sought forgiveness with real intent, they were forgiven. End quote.
1: Well, I think now we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to sincerely repent in the context of Mormonism? The Mormon Church has been very clear on this. According to the Doctrine and Covenants Student Manual, Religion 324 and 325, this is a 2001 edition, page 120, repentance, however, requires that we forsake and turn completely from our sins and confess them. So in order to truly repent or to sincerely repent within the context of Mormonism, a person must forsake and turn completely from their sins. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I know that within Christianity, there is a doctrine of repentance, and we do look at that word as a change of heart, a change of mind, and going into a different direction. We don't doubt that. And certainly, we are not downplaying the idea that a Christian should want to live a holy life that honors his holy God. We're not saying anything against that. But what we are questioning is this notion in Mormonism that in order to truly repent, you must forsake and turn completely away from all of your sins. Because if that's really how it's to be understood, what Latter-day Saint is doing that? According to the Doctrine and Covenants in Church History Seminary Student Guide, 2001, page 106, forsaking your sin means to repent of, means to give up and never do it again. You Never do it again. And that's been a pretty consistent message in the Mormon church for many, many years. That's how it's been understood. So when he says the great news is that if we sincerely repented, our former sins will not keep us from being exalted. Well, what happens with those former sins? Because as a Christian, I believe that when God forgives me of my sins, he doesn't remember those sins ever again. He chooses not to bring them back to me, or to hold me accountable for those past sins. But is that what Mormonism teaches?
2: No, not at all. In fact, quoting from Doctrine and Covenants, section 82, verse 7, the Doctrine and Covenants and Church History Seminary Teacher Resource Manual from 2001, page 134, this is what it says. We are commanded to forsake sin. If we sin again after repenting, our former sins return. And so it gives an explanation in five or 10 minutes of what the seminary teacher is supposed to do with the high school class. And it says, bring several rocks to class that are all labeled with the same sin. For example, breaking the word of wisdom, which is the Mormon health code. Tell students a story about an imaginary person who commits a sin. Invent details to embellish your story. Each time the imaginary person commits a sin, pick up a rock until you are holding several of them. Set all the rocks you are holding aside and ask, what might setting the rocks aside represent? Well, that's repentance. What happens to our sins when we repent? The Lord forgives them. Read Doctrine and Covenants, section 82, verse 7, and look for what happens when we sin again. Ask, how many rocks would a person need to pick up if he sins after repenting? Answer, all that you were previously holding, plus a new one. Question, why do you think our former sins return? What does that teach you about the importance of forsaking sin? How can knowing this doctrine help you avoid sin? So, Based on what it's saying here, when you put all of those other rocks down and you have to pick them up again because you've sinned again, you just added a new one to the pile and they've been added onto you, just like DNC 827 says, Bill.
1: Well, this is what's confusing to me in listening to J. Devin Cornish because what you just read is based on what is found in section 82 of the Doctrine and Covenants. If you confess your sin, you forsake it, you're going to be forgiven. But if you repeat the sin, your former sins return. How can you have any peace whatsoever that everything is okay and that you are qualified to get into the celestial kingdom? That's the problem I'm having. It goes on on page 34. Mr. Corner says, If we will sincerely repent, God really will forgive us, even when we have committed the same sin over and over
2: again. In direct contradiction to D&C 82.7.
1: That's what's puzzling me. Don't Mormons know what their scripture says, and why would they think that what Mr. Cornish is telling them is going to put them at ease? They are not supposed to be repeating these sins. They're supposed to be forsaking them, never to repeat it again. Remember, according to the Doctrine and Covenants and Church History Seminary Student Manual, page 106, that a Mormon repents of or gives up and never does it again.
2: And if you go through the manuals, that's stressed continually. Here's another manual, Gospel Fundamentals from 2002. This is page 67. Our Father in heaven does not sin, and he does not allow people who sin to live with him. To live with him, we must repent of our sins. To repent means to feel sorry for our sins and stop doing them. And as Kimball said in The Miracle of
1: Forgiveness, and you mentioned this before, trying is not sufficient, nor is repentance complete, when one merely tries to abandon sin. But yet he puts this emphasis on doing your best. But really what I think, and we've said it many times, Kimball is much more consistent. I think Kimball understands his doctrine much better than some of these newer guys that come on the scene. And unfortunately, I don't think Cornish is being very consistent here. He's trying probably to help his listeners be comforted But if he's misleading them in this subject, is that really a comfort that you would want? I would say no, it wouldn't be.
2: He goes on and says, as Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, However many chances you think you have missed, however many mistakes you think you have made, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines.
1: Yeah, but look at the context here. I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. Well, that's only because you're still alive. As long as you're still alive in Mormonism, there's always that potential that you're going to eventually reach the goal of true repentance, or as he calls it, sincere repentance. But then Cornish goes on to say, "...this does not mean in any way that sin is okay. Sin always has consequences. Sin always harms and hurts both the sinner and those affected by his or her sins. And true repentance is never easy." Sin is not okay. I don't think any Christian would deny that. We do look at the seriousness of sin. But when he says, and true repentance is never easy, in the context of Mormonism, I would say it's probably impossible. Because in order to do it, the way it's spelled out in their scripture is, you confess it and you never, ever do it again. And that is supposed to be all-encompassing in your life. It's not just one sin. Okay, maybe I've, I've given up the sin of stealing cars, but it goes much further than that. It's not just the stealing of cars. It's all bad thoughts. It's anything that's not Christ-like would be a sin, or anything that is in violation of a covenant that I have made in the Mormon church. And therein lies the impossibility of what they're expecting here. And he goes on to say, Moreover, please understand that even though God takes away the guilt and stain of our sins, when we sincerely repent... He may not immediately take away all the consequences of our sins. Sometimes they remain with us for the rest of our lives. But the point I want to bring out is, again, the sincerely repent aspect. He uses that phrase more than once in his talk. He talks about sincerely repenting. If what a sincere repentance looks like is described in Mormon scripture, then it's not based on on a mere feeling that someone might have, thinking that they have done good enough. The standard, we assume, is from the written scripture that Mormons have to read from. That would be the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. And I would even include the Bible, although I would say that their definition of repentance does not go in line with what the Bible says. Their definition is certainly
2: unique. And D&C 5843, which we've cited before in this series, says that the way that you know somebody has truly repented is that the sin will be stopped. You're not going to do it anymore. This is what Richard L. Evans, a 70, back in 1969, in October of 1969, Conference Reports, page 68, says, we all make mistakes. If our repentance is sincere, we have the right to approach him for forgiveness. But remember we are not entitled to any quota of mistakes it is always better that we don't make them and surely we shouldn't go on stupidly or stubbornly repeating the same old mistakes over and over again we ought to have learned our lessons and yet according to what we're reading here it seems like it's possible to sin and then to be repenting, and then be able to do the same sin again. It seems to go contrary to what previous leaders have said, as well as D&C 5843 and
1: D&C 82.7. Well, George Q. Cannon, who served in the Mormon Church in the First Presidency, made a comment on July 14, 1872, and this is found in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 15, page 113. When I say repent... I mean a complete forsaking of sin and turning from it truly and sincerely. In no other way can mankind escape the judgments and calamities threatened and of which they are warned.
0: ever get frustrated when your Latter-day Saint friends misunderstand what Biblical Christianity is all about? Introducing Christianity to Mormons, written by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson, will help equip you to share the essential doctrines of the Christian faith with confidence. Published by Harvest House, each of the ten chapters includes examples of real-life evangelism encounters while giving clear steps on how the information can be used in witnessing situations. Introducing Christianity to Mormons is available wherever quality Christian books are sold.